This is Aisha Elliott, Black Girl from Eugene, recording on for uh, November 29th with Black Joy Oregon. We're adding them right now to our video and we're gonna see how we can add them. They are definitely trying to get on because we just were on for a second. So yeah, it's like success for like a minute. But I don't know why it's not adding on because I'm in good Wi-Fi. So, okay, we're connecting. Are you guys good? Yeah, yeah, it's just super quiet. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Yeah, work. You said I'm quiet. Yeah. Yes. Mm, you guys are That's pretty. Okay, you guys are pretty like okay and normal. I wonder if I should okay. turn up my volume or something. I think my volume's yeah. How's that? Is that any better? It's okay. We'll just listen real carefully. <laughs> okay. Sounds sounds good. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to have you guys here. We are like, okay, so just so everybody knows who's watching, we met yesterday. <laughs> and it was like immediate love. We're all family. Like we're, I'm so happy that we finally, like we were able to connect together and get this, like, I mean, the energy is so real for me when we met. I was like, oh, we gonna do this. It's gonna be hot. It's gonna be so exciting. <laughs> So I'm going to let you introduce yourself and I'm going to talk about, um, we're like we talked about last night, we're just going to go right into it. I've already started real deep into Aiden because it took me like that much time to talk about the narrative of racism and how, you know, we we're going to talk about the media and how the media is, is absolutely a problem. And we need to lean into the media hard about how the narration around these murders are, be, are taking place, especially in our home state. Um, as we are very few numbered and and uh, very like we're strong in what we're saying. There's nothing wrong with our stance, but the way that the narrative is being pushed is 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 dangerous for us and a lie for everyone else who is watching. Right. So go ahead and introduce yourselves. Everyone, we have our live audience on. Jewel, where are you? Okay, there you are. <laughs> Awesome. I'm so excited. And Claire? Yes, and I'm Claire Snyder. I'm, I'm also a member leader in Black Joy. Um, and Jewel and I have worked on a couple different events together, including recently the vigil for Herman Graham III. Um, Jewel's from Albany. I'm from Salem-Kaiser. So uh, we're all up and down the valley. People just don't realize it. That's what I'm saying. And that's exactly why I wanted y'all on the show. I mean... One of the reasons, right? Because it's like we are up and down working this five corridor as hard as we can. Like I said, a friend of mine who's on who's on the live feed, Kakai, holding down Southern Oregon. Um, and then we've got y'all up in Salem. And I'm sure there's more groups. Of course, like me and Eugene, Black Unity. There's people who are doing this work all up and down uh, this corridor. And and I feel like we are, we are having two conversations. Like, the white folks are, are like in this idea of like, oh, you know, this kind of stuff doesn't happen in Oregon. And then we're over here screaming with our faces turning red about how much it's happening in Oregon. And then at the same time, we have the freaking news news people talking about, you know, these folks who are murdering black folks like their dad of the year and all of their accolades and all of this. And oh, it was just a bad day for them. And oh, they were drunk and blah, blah. Those things are like, we got to talk about it, y'all. We got to talk about it. But first, I want to say what Black Joy is. 
so you guys are, you know, I, how I see it, and I've been looking, I've been stalking y'all. <laughs> y'all got Facebook stalked. Um, Everybody stalk us. So, right. Please stalk Black Joy Oregon. Okay. <laughs> so um, basically, I see that you guys are community builders, and you all are um, motivated, mo motivational speakers. You guys are, uh, true, like I told y'all, true sayers, um, and you are bringing awareness around racism up in Salem. Tell me more about it so people can know who you are and what y'all are doing. Sorry, we're, we're trying to struggle lesson. Um, so basically, I'll, I'll talk about how I joined Black Joy. So okay. I started a group called Sit in Salem. Um, my goal was to educate and create an environment where you can have those tough discussions um, civilly and nonviolently uh, with people of color or with people who are not of color who are curious and who are on that edge, that fence of, I think something's wrong, but I don't know how to fix it. Mm -hmm. I think I disagree, but I don't know why. Um, and so um, I met Julianne um, through uh, oh, some event. Anyway, I heard her speak, and I was like, that woman is on fire. <laughs> and for a woman of color, and I bet Jewel can attest to this too, seeing another woman of color lead is so life-changing when you have not had that scene. So when you don't have that representation already of seeing another woman who looks like you or feels like you, just like we were talking last night, the three of us, we were going to have a quick little meeting that turned into an hour of talking and getting to know each other. It was great. Um, but so Julianne was like, hey, I have this thing I want to pull on BIPOC leaders and help them feel supported, help them feel a part of their community, help them feel like they can make a difference. Um, we travel throughout Oregon. We want to hit every city that we can. We want to spread the fact that there's black excellence. Black is not just about mattering. That's the minimum. But black is amazing. Black makes your community stronger. Black, black folks are out here trying to make the world better for everyone, not just us. Right. That we're there, you know, we're, when we lift one voice, we lift every voice. Um, and so... That, that's what I got, got out of Black Joy, is that it's a, a collaboration of female leaders who are empowering one another with an energy that you don't often see in our community. Right. That's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah. Jewel, you were going to say? I didn't want to cut oh, you off. I was just going to say, I am completely on board with that. I mean, <laughs> I came from Albany, so there was there's nothing out there. I mean, it's just probably central. Um, so I came into Black Joy via a Black Lives Matter group where I found Amanda, and then Amanda introduced me to Julianne, and then we all kind of just went to protest together for a minute, and then Julianne one night was like, you know what? This is what we need to do. We need to, you know, go out to each of the cities, because I know, like, me, I had issues growing up because I had never seen, you can go your whole life without seeing another Black folk, you know? And so, so she was like, you know what? And then all the white folk in those cities, all they hear about black folk is, you know, what they see on TV, which is mm -hmm. always negative for mm -hmm. the most part. Mm -hmm. Lately, it's been a little better. But and she's like, you know what? Let's go into there. Let's give them some support. Let's show them what black joy is. Let's, you know, bring a good experience to those communities. And so I was like, I'm on board. Let's do this. You know, I'm, I'm here for you. Like, what can we, we do to support you? to make sure that that dream comes true because it affects us all in such a positive way. Mm -hmm. And then so she slowly started bringing everybody into the fold and I got to meet Winnipeg now. <laughs> and so, yeah, from there we just kind of 
started spreading it and <laughs> start spreading the black joy. I right. So this is, I love it. I love it. And I want y'all to know that since the time that we've talked last night, I've talked to Julianne and we're going to have her on the show too. So like in a couple of weeks, we're going to figure out dates and all that kind of stuff. And so we can get her perspective of bringing everybody in and what it looks like to be, to, to build such a, uh, such a project. Right. So, um, I, I'm excited. So I want, um, I found y'all through a speech that was written, right? And it was written for yes, uh, Jewel wrote this, and it was written in a in the vigil, right? So I want to I want to first talk about the fact that I think we talked last night, and I said, you know, I don't protest, I don't go out onto the street for for reasons that um, I have PTSD from being attacked by EPD and being physically harmed to the point of years of recovery, right? So I, I do my protesting this way. I do different things that, um, that put the word out, right? I support. I'm bringing, I'm, I'm keeping the noise high, right? So the, the truth of it is, is I was telling y'all that this vicarious trauma it takes, that you go out every day, you go out all the time, and you were telling me about the media coverage that you get, telling you about the danger of people with guns in your guys' faces and and you having threats and all of this stuff that's very real for you. You guys are family, you have families, you're married, you got kids, you got your life, and this is what you're doing every day. And you wrote this speech that was so passionate. Um, and I just want to let, I want to hear and talk. I want people to know that when you are doing this every day, I told you I was like first concerned, like how are you taking care of you? You know what I mean? Because the truth of it is, it gets heavy. It gets heavy. So talk about, I, I want to know, like, I mean, Everybody wants to know this. This is heavy work, and y'all are out there doing the work. So tell me more about that event. How did y'all? How are you? And how did, did that go down? And how did it was it received? Well, the way that it started is um, I can't even remember who told me, but somebody was like, "Oh, did you hear about that guy who got shot?" And I went, "Why didn't I?" Straight up. Oh. That's what I said about Aiden. I was like, "Hold on, why didn't I hear about this?" Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Oh my God. So I'm like, why did I not hear about this? Why did I not? And so then I, I think I posted something in our group chat for black joy. And I was like, this is problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I already had had an issue. So I, before the vigil for Herman, um, I created this almost performance art piece vigil where, um, we were down at Riverfront park in Salem and I had, laminated I shouldn't say I it was a group effort too but it was I was the one who spearheaded it um we printed out photos of the most recent 100 deaths at the hand of police brutality first of all what is really screwed up about that is that I had to pick the most recent 100 okay because there were yes. too many right that I couldn't afford because most of this comes out of my pocket or donations right you know right um to print off several thousand photographs of black people Right. Dead. Murdered black people by the police. Murdered right. black people. So anyway, we across this beautiful bridge that we have in Salem at sunset, we had all of these photographs of these folks that with their names and basically created a pathway where folks looked in the eyes of these people and saw them as humans. You know, some of them were pictures of them with their kids or pictures of them at work or whatever. Anyway, the point being 
this is what we're doing. We are mourning. We are hurt. We are right. angry. This is not an irrational response. Look at this number. And it, I felt like it was a really beautiful bit, event. Black Joy came to support. We had people sharing their experiences as people of color in Salem saying, yes, this really does happen. This is real. This is racism. Um, Emily, who is uh, also a member of our group, I hope you get to chat with her. Um, she promoted it out to every news source we had. Wow. Every single one. They knew this was happening. Mm -hmm. Earlier in that day, there was a Proud Boy event at the Capitol, which was fully covered and posted on the front page of Statesman Journal. We did not even have a single reporter there covering our event. Not a single one. You know... And that was... Oh, go ahead. I lost it. Yeah. I had spent probably about three weeks planning and organizing and putting this together and pouring my heart and soul into this because I am so tired as a person of color, seeing other people of color being broken, being murdered, being hurt, and watching people in their community be treated that way. And then they want to focus on the violence. They want to focus on that sizzling front page news. And I'm like, you know what that does? That emboldens them. That helps them feel like they have a voice. They have a forum. If they do something, they are going to be heard. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to make sure it's heard because you're putting it on your front page. And you know what? I think I said this to you last night. The way that the front page is putting Proud Boys and the way that they're talking about this man who murdered Aiden. And I didn't know the story about Graham at all. Like, so I'm looking at to see what that media was about. But to me, I'm like, is are you trying to threaten all of us by putting Proud Boys on front? Like, you keep talking about Proud Boys like it's a problem, but not really. Because the way, the back tone of what the, these journalists are doing and what the media is doing is that I feel like the more I see Proud Boys and with no consequence to Proud Boys, I feel like you're trying to threaten me on the cool, yeah. like on the low, right? Yeah. Like, because I don't see any positivity. I don't see another narrative. So I'm, I'm like, how, what do you want us to, what do you want us to do with that information? You want us to see that all the time? Are we supposed to take that in? Because at this point, we are too aware, and I'm looking at it like a threat. Yep, yep. no, for sure. Well, and then to, to expand on what she was saying, the whole vigil that, or not vigil, but the event. the event that she put on, I was on the bridge guarding the pictures because people were coming by trying to be disrespectful and taking the pictures down and laughing about it and just just being just I mean across the board just terrible just being nasty and we had to have somebody guarding the photos of people who had been killed because people were being disrespectful towards them and so that's like a whole nother yeah. layer yeah to everything like I wasn't I wasn't I mean like it was a beautiful event yeah but I wasn't was able to go yeah. because somebody had to be up there right to watch them you know, and I and I think we have to watch them after death as well. Like that right there. We, it's the, we can't stop being we. The, okay, so basically the way that I look at this now, I last week I did a whole conversation. I don't know if it was last week, maybe it was the week before last, about racism being a mental illness, right? And I wanted to talk about there's obviously ra uh, racism being on a spectrum. And that people who would go to the point of killing someone is the, where we need to look at, you know, the fact that they got something not quite together <laughs> and that a lot of people want to push it back against the idea of that racism is a mental illness because then how can you charge mental illness and blah, 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 blah. And my thing is that people who are a threat to other people and who are a threat to themselves, you know, shouldn't be in the public 
right they need to be they need to be taken care of they shouldn't be working with public they shouldn't be working with children they shouldn't be you know we got to get them straight right before they can join the general population again and um and i and folks who like these men who want to get so angry so angry that they murder someone or so angry that they can't even look at a picture and say damn and keep walking like you feel so entitled and so emboldened and so full of hatred that 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 there isn't really a balance to that, right? There isn't. What's the other side of that? Where where is the mindset? And for me, that's what I like to process on is that we are surrounded. Now, this is the thing. It's not just black folks that are surrounded, right? It's all of us. And so people who are white folks who really believe that they're not racist and we can talk about that all day. How every single person is racist and every single white person in this country is racist. Now, we can talk about it in different terms. Like I just said, there's a spectrum of racism. There's bias, there's prejudice, there's discriminant, and then there's violent terrorism, right? It goes, there's a big old spectrum. But my thing is like this, how the complacency, the idea that the conversation, the the news head, the news spread, no news about what you're doing. Proud Boys on the front page. Now, Proud Boys are standing up against something. and then But that something isn't, we're not getting the balance. We're not getting the narrative. And so that objectivity is gone. What'd you say? They're patriots. They're defending the American way. And that's what they're being perceived as. The Oregon way? I mean, we got to stop doing that. You mean racism? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like. But here's the thing, is that the American way is systemic racism. Absolutely. Until we acknowledge that our country was founded on systemic racism. And this is one of the big points that I try to make to anyone who's trying to be an ally and is trying to understand this. Mm -hmm. Because you are racist does not mean you are a bad person. Mm -hmm. It doesn't automatically. There's that spectrum, okay? There's some things that are so ingrained in us. I have biases. I have areas of racism that I need to work on. Even within myself, mm-hmm. but you have to acknowledge that you have to allow yourself to be uncomfortable, and you have to admit and say, "I was brought up in a racist system, and I will not allow that system to continue." Right. And and we're so afraid, which is so silly as Americans, because first of all, the American Revolution—I'm a history buff—started when a black man was shot and his friends rushed to his aid. Mm. That is how our country truly and really started that is the point of contention for this entire fight we have been fighting since the 1600s and we are still unwilling to acknowledge however that our country was brought up trying to fight racism and then was created into a system that was built to hold on to racism because there were certain people that still were afraid that if they freed everyone they lost something themselves right Right. But the, this is the thing. This is the this is the thing. We got to go. We we I love his I am not a history buff, although my whole family, all the men in my family are historians. Right. And I this is this is the thing. When we go from we this is we have got to stop talking about this like it's history. That's the problem. Right. Because people don't understand that this is not history. Aiden was killed five days ago. Okay, right here in Oregon by a white man, right? Because it's music, because the white man didn't want to tolerate and have a conversation with Aiden about loud music, right? It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't even matter if Aiden 
I don't even want to talk about what Aiden did. Music was loud and then he died. That is what we're talking about, right? And we're talking about a black young man, 19 years old, and a grown-ass man, 47-something, 48, 49 years old, right? Yeah. And so we have, to me, the narrative, like, when we talk about this, we, I don't, I would implore that we, that we stop talking about it in terms that are digestible. It is and yes. continues to be the, the, pre- pre- the perpetuation of white supremacy. Yes, yes. Right? Like, so when we yes. see it, we're like, I, I have a meme on my Instagram that's like, you know what? You're saying it wrong. <laughs> like, you keep saying that word, but what, you, what you're really trying to say is racism. Okay? <laughs> like, just say what it is. White supremacy. Like, that's, yes. don't, don't say, don't say all these other code things. Duct taped around, held together. Held together, mm-hmm. held together, falling apart with mm-hmm. white supremacy and racism. Yep. Yeah, but at the same time, I always see it as the foundation, if a foundation of a house is on shoddy ground, mm-hmm. you can't just keep throwing in little pinpicks to fix it. Mm-hmm. You can't keep duct taping over the pipes that keep breaking because the foundation of your house was built on quicksand. That's right. Like, you have to go to the root of it and fix it from bottom up. You can't just keep trying to trickle down. To trickle down. Yeah, trickle yeah. down. And you know, I talk about this quite a bit in, um, with with the idea that white, like, there's the systematic issue and then there's the individual, right? And then I always want to say, and I want to put this onto white folks, is that the individual, and this is black folks too, because we talked about this as well, you know, all black folks, black folks can be white supremacists too. So the truth of it is, is that what we need to really understand is that the system is only working because people allow it and continue to yes. to buy into it, right? So we do yes. have to do due diligence and look to see what are what what we are supporting with our money, our time, and our energy. And if it's not about equity and it's not about you know inclusion, because I'm not even really talking about diversity. I mean that's cute and everything, but I want to talk about equity and I want to talk about yeah. real inclusion, meaning that the when you do a damn beautiful art piece, right? You know what I'm saying? And you walk into the room with your hair out and your earrings big and whatever you want to say is loud and nobody talking about, oh, look, there's the black woman. No, it's like, oh, look, a speaker. We're going to sit down and we're going to have we gonna have some listening. You know, we're going to have some learning today. Call me by my damn name. Right. Yes. yes. We just had, oh, were you on that? We just had a meeting with a group that is supposed to be looking at the Salem Police Department. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we have a woman in our group that has a hard time because people mis- misname her all the time. Mm. And she came in straight up and she said, this is my name. And one of the women continuously kept calling her by the same name, by the wrong name. And they would just like, like, what did they call her? Like Magdalene, Magdalena. And it was like, no, 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 no. That's that's not my name. Like, use my name. My name is, it's a good, strong name. Right. Don't say it wrong. Right. Because it feels weird on your tongue. Don't say it wrong. Learn how to speak it. Because, yeah. I mean, there, there's power in a name. Mm-hmm. And if you're calling us by the wrong name continuously, like, that in itself is a form of oppression. Well, I mean, you can say Tchaikovsky, you can say all the European, right, I mean, I'm trying to, wait, you can say, you can't slow down enough to give the respect. And also, make yourself uncomfortable enough with saying, I don't know what 
saying. Yep. I'm going to correct myself. Well, because that's an interesting... It matters to me that you feel valuable. The, well, that's an interesting thing about white folks is that they don't have the humility to, the, because of the fragility yes. <laughs> that yes. adds on to the supremacy that does not allow them to say, I don't know what I'm doing and I need you to show me. That is real yes. simple because yes. black folks will be like, oh, you want to know how to say my name right? Bet. Let me help you out. Right? Let me help you out. But it, but those things layer on top of each other and it's difficult for them. But that's not an excuse. I'm, I'm getting tired of, I'm getting tired of yeah. this idea of like, it's just too hard. For who? Mm-hmm. For what are you talking about? It's too hard. Yeah. You know, these two boys are dead in Oregon. I, I can't get past the in Oregon part. Because that thing about Oregon being that we don't have these issues, that it's just that these issues are elsewhere. But yet you got all these black folks all up and down the fifth, five corridor, you know, uh, me, you, Black Unity, Kakai, all these all up in Portland, all these groups saying something very different, very different. So when does it become, when does it become advantageous for white folks? to hear and listen to black people, even in a space where they don't see it. When does it become advantageous for them, right? Because I think it's... We're like, we both Okay, you're like, yeah, hand up! Go ahead, go ahead. What I was going to do is I want to loop back around and I'll make sure I don't cut you off. We're just both stoked and like fired up today, so, you know. Let's go. Right. Yep. Right. I want you to use their name. Yeah. I want you to treat them like a human life that was taken. Yeah. Because the second that we change it to some man or some kid or something or whatever, and we take away that personalization, yet they personalize the murderer. Yes. And it was with uh, with Herman. It was a Eugene man kills a man. You know, it was like he was even. Like they never, they never speak of the victim. They yeah. never speak of the victim. They always, and then the victim is always doing something wrong. So the victim is always, you know, like uh, a man was playing his music too loud. Yeah. Not a man lost his temper at a child. Yeah. Right. You right. Know, a man was was driving too fast. Not a man with road rage killed a man in broad daylight right. in yeah. front of six several witnesses. You know, like it's. It's yelling racial racial slurs the yeah. whole time. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's a very clear clear difference in how the media and honestly America as a whole treats black bodies and black lives. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm reading this amazing book called Stamped from the Beginning. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'm still chewing through the prologue. I'm not joking you. Like I have been rereading it because it's like stirring this innate connection with people of color that I was never allowed to have growing up in Salem. Mm. Because here's the thing, if I feel connected to my community of color and I feel supported and I feel like my voice is valued, then I'm going to speak up where I don't feel comfortable. If I am isolated and broken apart and, and separated from my my people, my family, my, my heart, 
my my community, my village, I'm not going to speak up because then I feel like I'm one voice in the void. Mm-hmm. Well, it's dangerous. Well, it's I talk. Yeah, I. I think it's important that people understand that are watching that aren't in Oregon and that aren't in the Pacific Northwest that the, that um, having a, a lack of community or having the idea that we don't see each other, like the idea that we, we don't know that we're here, it's strategic. And the truth of it is, is that a lot of the black community here, it, and I said, and I don't mean this in a way that's like, you know, as if this is, this says anything else about our community, but we have a lot of mixed race a community here. And so the identity of blackness, like we talked about last night, the black consciousness is something that most black folks here, and I'm saying that generally, is that they, they have to self-discover because there isn't a robust community. And without a robust community, we're looking for, people are looking for the, the what feels right. And the narrative around what is black in Oregon doesn't feel right <laughs> to anyone yeah. who is black living black experience. It doesn't match up. We are not thugs. Yeah. We are not ignorant. We are not needing assistance. We are not needing it. We need people to move over so we can be heard. And and without community, it's really, really difficult. But clearly not impossible. Clearly not impossible, right? So who taught the, us to think that way? You know? Like who taught us to think that way? Right. Who Malcolm X has a very, very famous speech where he goes, Who taught you to hate the color of your skin? Mm. Who taught you to hate the, the texture of your hair? It wasn't us. We didn't teach ourselves. It was the, the white society that we live in that told us your lips are too big, your butt's too big, your hair is too nappy, you know, and you must relax it. You must bleach your skin. You must, you know, come into our society and be an upstand, you know, um, and also discard what your culture is in the process. And so it's not like we learned this from each other. Mm-mm. We learned this from them. <clears throat> and this is what we talked about this with the idea, like light skin, dark skin. We talked about this idea. We talked about colorism. And I said, I don't like to talk about it because it's a white man's idea. Right. Yeah. Um, I it's the this whole idea about about whether the degree of what considers uh, legitimacy of blackness is not something that black people have talked came up with. Right. Black people did not come up with that. Exactly what you're yeah. saying. Exactly. I'm like snapping over here, like exactly what you're saying. And the truth of it is, is that while we are looking at these headlines, Right. While we are looking at these headlines, we have to know and the people who are reading these headlines who want to say that they are anti-racist, who want to believe that they are progressive liberals, they want to believe that they, are, they have the right idea about this. If you're accepting the narrative, right, mm-hmm. if you're accepting the narrative that that what the first thing you want to know is what the black guy do, yeah. you got a problem. You are you're yeah. looking at it from the wrong direction, bro. Because the truth of it is, is somebody doesn't have enough emotional intelligence to stop themselves and say, "I'm getting upset. I'm getting upset. You don't, you don't want to write. You don't want to lower your music. I don't have to go. Like I, I can't deal with this anymore." Yeah. That person has a problem. It's not the yeah. person who ha- who has music loud. It's not the person who crossed the street wrong. It's not the person who cut you off in traffic. They don't have a problem. You know what I'm saying? You have yeah. those white folks have to regulate. We're seeing a deregulation. We're seeing a disconnect. We're seeing actual mental crisis. And yet we don't focus on the person who is dead like they did something wrong to trigger. They triggered him. Triggered him? Yep. 
Are you sure? So that, that's where what I would shift um, what you addressed as a mental illness to a disease. Because yes. I feel a like disorder. it is a, it once implanted in one person, it spreads out to those around you, whereas mental illness might not necessarily do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, like you were saying, removing the root problem, that person that is causing that spread um, from society as a whole, because mm-hmm. that is... It's it's not creating a good society. Period. Right. Um, it's not a safe society for the rest of us, and including white folk, that does not create a safe society for them either. If that's what they I just haven't realized. Yeah, they haven't realized it yet because it's not their rights that are on the line right now. Right. Well, you know, I it's feel like, like I, their rights that are yeah. on the line too. That's with the with this last yeah. with this last election, I I'm hoping because the cognitive dissonance in the white community is real. So, but what I'm hoping is that, like, to see how many millions of people voted for Trump and what Trump actually, because uh, it's not politics. We're not talking. This was not a pol- This was not a political. You know, um, this was not a political uh, vote. This was a morality vote, right? And so to see 75, you know, million people who voted and that the numbers of white folks that voted for Trump and that voted for for. Uh, not racist, you know, not racism, like the least amount of racism, let's put it that way, that we could, that we had to choose from here to get him out the way. That should have been a, a serious eye-opener for everybody understanding as they walk around going, I'm at, the people I know made a decision that the lives of our neighbors, the lives of our leaders, the lives of people who enrich our our whole existence, our food, our music, our education, our dance, our we're not worth it. We're not worth the, the air that they breathe. You have got to see that that is what that vote was. So that means your cousin, <laughs> homie, you know, that means the people we go to school, the people we're talking to and we're trying to teach, their sister definitely has to have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody very close to everyone we're trying to teach and everyone who's buying up these books and everyone who wants to get the t-shirt you know, something is a di- something is being disconnected. I agree with you. It is a mental disorder. Um, you know, and uh, the, some of the scientists that I quoted, uh, at psychiatrists that I quoted, were saying that it goes along the lines of uh, disorders that are already well established. And the fact that we like, you know, like personality disorder and uh, and forms of um, oh, I have I got to think of another one. Uh, but anyway. They were saying that it's the, these manifestations of these uh, these disorders that already exist. The truth of it is, is that the medical field refuses to look at racism that way. Because who made that? That's part of the system. Psychiatry is part of the system. In itself, the definitions itself are racist. And we, at this point... The medical system itself also benefits from racism. Oh. Not only benefits from it, but, but we... I mean, there was just a study that came out that proved that they treat black folk differently. Mm-hmm. We get less amounts of medication mm-hmm. for our, our pain is often seen as less than a white person's mm-hmm. pain. Um, it was something like 50% of doctors literally went on paper and said they thought that black people do not experience pain the same way as white people. It's in the books. Doctors. Those are supposed to be our greatest minds. Right. And they're sitting there completely, um, they don't understand a body. They don't understand human bodies. And they're supposed to be treating us? Well, they don't even have, in the medical books, they don't even have um, skin conditions. Someone just recently in the last five years came up with medical books that have skin conditions represented on dark, melanated skin. This is 2000. This is the 2000. Okay, we're in the 2000s. 
what in the actual F is going on? the narrative i think it's really important that when we have these proud boys like you said right now the evidence of systematic systematic um racism is so abundant and clear not that it wasn't before clearly like we've been screaming this forever screaming i have a picture on my facebook page right now of some activists i think they're at harvard and they have ropes around their necks in 1935 talking about we're being killed by the police like you see what i'm saying so this is not something that came up you know with george floyd Bet, okay so next thing is that while we're talking about um whether or not systematic racism is is prevalent in these in in the media or prevalent in uh like you said like the coverage and all these the ideas and the speak and the words and the way that people walk around let's talk about how the proud proud boys when questioned this just like this man that killed aiden their gun was illegal why were they not arrested? Why were, uh, immediately, right? But they're they are they are uh, you know oh it's an open carry state state okay that's fine but along with threatening ideology that's illegal like your oh free speech but they're threatening people they're 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 saying that they will protect them this thing this entity this system at all costs and the system happens to also be the police department that's also saying well if they're protecting. So if you, if people out there are trying to, to not understand, because that's all you can do is try not to understand this, because the, it's not complicated. It's look at the evidence that, look at the, look at the arrests, look at the, the commentary, look how long the news t- talks about one side of the story versus the other. Like, it can't be where we keep screaming this. That's the whole idea. Like, I feel like our work has to be fragmented because there we can't stop screaming but at the same time we can't keep asking like we, we can't yeah. keep talking about how they need to understand because they don't actually need yeah. to understand yeah. Yeah. they just we once we get there right which i think that we yeah. all are this is the whole idea about black folks if we wanted harm if we wanted to take this over if we wanted it to be in that way we would have been done that a long time ago. This is not what we're doing. We're trying to, as we've always done, bring balance, right? Bring equity to the situation. Equity. It's always been that way. Even when we were enslaved, we 
as we're being released, we still aren't like bomb. We're equity. Like, can we all just get a piece? Can we just get a piece? Right? So, I mean, that fear, right? But I, I think we all have to stop. And I'm talking about all of us have to stop when people want to go, oh, he was really upset and he he lost control. I said, no, no, he didn't. He was racist. Can we can yeah, we say that? Let's quit making it digestible. Mm-hmm. Quit. Yeah, it's yeah. racist. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the the R yeah, word. No, it's racist. It's racist. Ra- say it with racism. me. Racist. Racist. Yep. Yeah. So here's, here's my big point of contention: is you do not get to prioritize your comfort with yeah. my safety. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. We as human beings do not get to say, mm, "I don't love that. It makes me uncomfortable." It's threatening someone else's life and well-being, but I don't like dealing with it. It doesn't affect affect me directly. Exactly. So that is not how that works, <laughs> and that is also one of my big points of contention with our local law enforcement. Yeah. Is that okay? So you really feel if the excuses, and we've heard all of them, if we're going with the excuse of well, they're armed, they're drunk, they're disorderly, you know, but. They're, they've not been known to destroy property. That's BS. That's right. We know that they are. Okay. We know that they are a problem. We know that they are racist. But they are very clearly touting that they are racist. But you are saying that you are more willing to allow our entire community to be unsafe mm-hmm. so that you don't have to say the words white supremacy in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not only that, but they're putting property over. Yeah. Oh, yes. Our right. Bodies. Well, because our, our lives are property, right? Yeah. Well, but we're not as good as, you know, that property. Well, you know, I mean, because they... are not on the same level as a window. Right, well, we got we got out. We got out. They're trying, yeah. <laughs> they still own yeah. that. They're, like, pissed that we're out. For, you know. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The, the truth... You want it out. This is what you get. That, this, <laughs> no, that's right. No, that's, like, that's right on point. That's right on point. And I think that um, it's... I think we need to, uh, when we're addressing this situation, when we're addressing this, these conversations, I actually just watched um, CNN. They're doing like first ladies and they did one on Michelle Obama. And I, uh, I like her more than I like her husband. And she is like, there was a point, there was a speech that she gave and she was like, um, she was, uh, she gave a speech. Her, the very first speech she gave to support Barack being, you know, a, a contender in the in the whole uh, President Obama being a contender in the whole race to begin with, and she came in, you know how they are. They not they don't look they don't know what they're getting themselves into, so they look normal. They they're saying normal shit. They're doing normal things, but right. Um, and what happened was that she came across passionate, and and she came across really like very much like. We got to have Barack. We got to do this work. This is, we got a chance to make this change. We got to do this, right? And the publicists and the people who are doing the whole, uh, working the whole uh, campaign told her to come out and, and they said, we got, after they were getting complaints, they had told her to look at herself giving the, the speech, but they turned the volume down and she got it immediately. Her, her facial expressions, her hand gestures, her passion came across as if white folks were looking at it, it would look angry. So after that speech, she learned to keep her body language in, concise, keep it short, 
keep her facial expressions clear and and you know not to down not to water down her message but to to try to make an effect that is that it cannot be deemed as any kind of black stereotypical way of women that women uh, come across when they're being impassioned or in leadership or any of that kind of stuff. Now, as much as she wanted to get the, the message across, she did what they had. She did what they asked her to do, right? Yeah. As we all do, right? But yeah. I want to say that we have to know and understand what that is when we are showing up doing our work the way that we do our work showing up in the way that you are just describing and we're having to in the middle of trauma in the middle of an attack in the middle of being you know discriminated against having physical harm we're having to compose ourselves so that we can make it through the trauma and not be killed right so that level of of composure for us to say we need white folks to get their ish together and stand up when they see wording in a damn newspaper that sounds prejudicial or sounds racist to just write a letter i can't i can't anymore with that like i i don't the fact that it's too hard or i don't know what to say or that fear of perfectionism, it has to be a certain way because of their supremacy and because of their fragility. It has to be where if you really want to be an ally and you want black folks to recognize you an ally, because remember, you cannot self-describe yourself as an ally. If you want a re- black folks to recognize you as an ally, this is your moment. You're missing it. <laughs> You're missing your moment. Just because I- We are holding our hands out asking for you to step up because we're doing the work Mm. we have been doing the work for me personally um i was raised in a mixed race household and my dad was adopted so i never had any black culture i'm not gonna lie right anything i found was through books was through um my study of it my through searching for it through fighting for imagine having to fight for your culture Mm having to fight for your identity and then my parents because my dad had experienced such extreme racism wanted me to be so excellent that no one could touch me right yeah that pressure from childhood to adulthood of never ever getting to rest of never getting to just rest in yourself rest in who you are as a person is debilitating and exhausting Mm -hmm. and speaking of mental illness i deal with very severe depression Mm. whether that's a result of the trauma of being a person of color or just my chemistry or a combination of everything i don't know and i don't really care i figured out a way to juggle all of that Mm -hmm. but what kills me is seeing young folks who don't have that support who are in like the foster care system who are in the juvenile detention system who can't even self-identify without feeling like they have to box themselves in. These could be beautiful, creative artists. Who knows what they would do with that passion, with that joy, with that power, with that, with everything they have inside that beautiful round body. Right. If they were able to truly be themselves, I would love to see the power. Sorry, I'm getting emotional about this. Look, I do it every time. I'm sorry. I should have warned y'all. It would be like up here in our fields. (laughs) If I get to have one brown kid not feel that mm-hmm. my life is complete yeah. I kid you not and 
for me I this this is what this is what I hear from you because um, what I hear from you and what I hear in all of the conversations I have with folks who were born and raised here without having black influence uh, without having a steady and secure black influence is that more than we need to be teaching white folks we need to be building black community and the truth of it is, is that just like, just like, um, we need to build what we didn't have. Like I told y'all on the phone, I, I have a nonprofit for middle school kids. The reason why I picked middle school kids is because now, you know, you can't remember the shit you did last week, but you can remember that boy who hurt your feelings, first name and last name and where he lived when you were in seventh grade, right? <laughs> right? There's something very impressionable about that this age group, you know, about your self identity. And, and without having a black community, without having someone to tell you, little girl, please, you are as beautifully black as every beautifully black woman behind you and before you and after you are. None of that would have been feeling in that way if you would have had that growing up. If you would have had teachers looking at you like, sis, we don't do that. We get up yeah. here. Like like what Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we, we go high. Go low, this go this high. is a this is a black cultural idea. So when you have this cultural idea surrounding you, little black child, you feel like you are able to rise above it all. And the truth of it is, even when you don't, the struggle is real. But look, you rose above it anyway. Melanin connection to the ancestors, sis. Okay? So the truth of it is, is that more than teaching, more than teaching white folks how to respect and believe in us, not more than, but I'm going to say more than, is yeah, yeah. we need to build and we need to make sure that we have black spaces and we have black community that is growing our communication it doesn't have to look one way or the other that's where black folks get tripped up in the pacific northwest it's like oh that's not black oh that's not it just needs to be a space where we can show up we can play our music we can dance the way we want to dance we can wear the hair the way we want to wear our hair and when we want to cry we can cry you see what i'm saying when we want to laugh out loud we can laugh out loud and so i'm going to say that to us like we need to come up with a place, and I know that people are talking about. We're, there's some folks talking about buying a, a property to make a black community center here in uh, in Eugene, which I think is amazing, and I want it to happen, and I and I am a, a part of it. Like I'm, you know, all for it. I think we need to have it where, beside the NAACP, that we need to have a place that's for black joy, 
use your, you know what I'm saying, for a space where we can kick back and play dominoes. And if you ain't never heard dominoes because you ain't got no black people in your family, come on, we're going to show you how. You know how to play spades? Come on, we're going to show you how. You see what I'm saying? Like, that, that's, I mean, so that you can connect, so that you can communicate. You know, it's like there's lots of black folks who grew up here who don't know how to do their hair, don't love how to do their hair. Come on over. Like, let's, but you don't want to learn it in a class. You want to learn it with some sisters. So let's, let's do it together. Like, I'm a braid and she going to braid. Right? Right now, just like a couple minutes ago. That is, like, I just learned how to do my hair probably within the last, like, two years or so. Like, mm-hmm. how to put actual, like, different products in there that's good for my hair. Right. And that won't make it, you know, do whatever it wants to do. Because we all know, like, when it's hair, it's it's, the, it's its own beast. It's a crowning it's own beast. Oh, <laughs> so, it's, like, it's you know, so you important. It differently. It's so important. It's so Yes. And without being shamed either. Like for me, I bless my mom's heart. She tried so hard to figure out how to raise a little black girl. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just want my hair straight. Then I won't have to deal with it. I'll be fine. So bless her heart. She took me to a JCPenney salon. Mm. (laughs) Bet she knew. Bet she knew. (laughs) A recently graduated esthetician (laughs) who gave me third degree burns on my scalp Mm. and I had a clump of hair like that big fall off on the scalp so I had a comb over for like four years but if I had just been able to go like somewhere in my community and say hey I was raised by a father who was raised by white folks Mm. I have a white mom Mm -hmm. who was trying her damnedest right she had not felt shame you know about that if I had not felt shame or fear about being judged then maybe I could have had that part of myself, you know, be redeemed and feel like, do you know what it's like not to feel like you're beautiful? Yeah. Oh, girl, look, I got yeah. all kinds of stories yeah. when I first and, went. And, and um, God. Yeah. growing up wanting to be white, yeah. I think is like the deepest, yeah. the deepest sin of America. That is growing up. They cause us to want to grow up to be white. Mm-hmm. And so we want our hair straight because we want to look look acceptable into that society we want so badly to be accepted and loved and loved mm. that we were i mean people bleach their skin that right so crazy that is the biggest organ on your body yeah and people are actively affecting it just so that they can feel accepted by the society they live in that they 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 give into they pay taxes in that society they live in that society they have homes they have children that go to schools they work in that society and yet they have to they feel like they have to change physically themselves in or in, in or emotionally yeah emotionally and and everything the way they think the way that yes exactly somebody just said assimilate and comply mm-hmm. exactly they feel they have to assimilate into this society and cast aside their own personal their soul what makes their them power. themselves yeah yeah and, and relinquish that power to the society that is oppressing them at the same time. So once, so, so once, get into the society that's oppressing them. So once we've discovered, right? Because as as white folks are discovering racism is real, black folks are discovering the ones who could who didn't know before. Because there's a lot of us out here that did have known, right? But uh, we've all known like on both yeah, sides. We've known. White people are smart enough that they know. We on white on on like, on both sides. We've known. On both sides, yeah, we've yeah. known, but okay. it's that same idea of staying alive. It's that same. It's that assimilation. Like, how do I like? 
Latino families that come in and they they're like, do not speak Spanish, do not, because if yes. you don't speak Spanish, they won't know where you're from anyway. So we do not. So people have lost their language and generational voluntarily. Because they are like, we are not going to stick out so that we can just live our life under the umbrella of whiteness and it will be fine, right? But we all know it is not fine. And so the truth of it is, with with the way that we talk about this, is that I really want, just like we're we're talking about white folks stepping up, black folks got to put it down. Like we have got to put down the narrative. We have got to put down the idea that you can't, that you can't see a black woman down the street and then question yourself whether you're black enough to say hello or whether you look at their hair and go, sis, I see you. You, We've got to stop questioning whether or not our value has to be measured by other people's value, period. Stop questioning whether or not people are black enough to be, to be a square and center in the, in the moment of, of our resurrection and our beauty and our strength and our and understanding of who we are. Because, like, I wasn't raised by white folks. I have two very black parents. And when I say very black, I'm talking they're from St. Louis. They have no question about their identity. They are square. Uh, matter of fact, my dad's an intellectual about in black history. You know, my mother has supported him. And like I said all the time, is knows more and is smarter than. And they never question. I've never had questions like that. I have seven, uh, six brothers and sisters. So I had a community at home if I didn't have a community outside, right? Yet, I still had the societal pressure of wanting my hair straight, right? I remember playing with a towel on my head so that I would have my hair would be long, you know what I mean? And my mom, my mom would be like, what in the hell are you doing? Two long legs, and then you put two pairs on it and like braid them like long Rapunzel hair. Girl, that's genius. I never, <laughs> I never even thought about that, right? I mean, you know, there's a picture. There's a picture that my dad took of me, a photograph, and it's interesting because it's one of both of our favorite pictures, and it's beautiful. But I'm very, very fair skinned. My dad is very fair skinned. And my mom, uh, although she's fair skinned, she got that drop of a melanin where the sun come out and she just turned blacker than Barry. Like just poop. Like, you know, that's how she goes. But my dad and me, we both just we just burn, whatever. But anyway, so we're light skinned and she and um my lips are tinted pink, right? Because of just the how light I am. And then at this picture, I was sitting across from the table from my dad, and I had a pink headband on and I had, there was a pink rose right in front of me. And then I had my pink little lips and my, and I had like a pink and like a gray and white shirt on. So the color scheme was all right there, right? But what's interesting is when I look at that picture, I notice I have a pink headband and my pink headband is pulled over my, my forehead like this. You know what I was doing? I was trying to make my bangs hang down. And so, you see, so my dad caught this beautiful, like, oh, picture. And when I look at it now, I'm like, oh, God. Like, I was trying to make so that my hair wouldn't be big. Would have been a beautiful picture with a little pink band back here. But I put that band down low so that my hair could hang in my eyeball like the white girls on TV. <laughs> you know, I was like, I want to look like this. You know? <laughs> oh. Yeah, yes. Like 16 times, <laughs> it would iron it out. But then the 
Oregon where it yeah. rains 24-7. I still yeah. remember one time, my mom did this beautiful job, straightened my hair, all like perfect, just like pin straight, right? Took hours. I step outside the school bus for my choir concert and it's raining. It all shrivels up. I look like George freaking Washington. Because of it are still straight. You know, I look like I have this little weird bobs thing. But I remember, you, you don't, it's just so hard to explain. Yes. I, we need to stop explaining it. shame you feel about your body. I was in fifth grade. Yes. Yeah. It's also your hair. Yeah. Especially your hair. And, it, and people are like, it's just your hair. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't you don't understand how much that can affect someone's psyche. Yes. Well, you know, when I think about how we focus so hard on how we look. So, like I was saying about Michelle Obama, how so hard how we come across. Are we articulate? Yes. Do we sound clear? Can you hear us? Are we standing up straight? Is my hands yeah. not too... Did I not point in your face? Did I not frown my brow? Did I did I make sure that I was, yeah, you know... Man. Did I not talk too fast? Because if I start oh, getting I going, I'm like... Bloop, bloop, you know, right? <laughs> but, like, when we talk about the deaths of these two men on the, the fifth... the uh, or In Ashland and in Salem... Um, was the expectation that they couldn't keep their their lives because they couldn't, in the middle of trauma and in, in the middle of being threatened, yeah. hold themselves to the higher standard yeah. to, in order to stay alive? Like, that's what we yeah. got. People got us. I want, as we go back to instructing again, you know what I mean? I would like for people to quite understand the expectation of the behavior at 3 a.m. to a young black man being accused of, of behaving out of line, whatever line yes. that's supposed to mean, and then yes. ha- is supposed to be under the, the, the composure of, while threatened and then killed yes. because most likely was unable to, comp- to con- keep that composure, which yes. is completely yes. out of line to expect, right? Yes. Well, another man, what was he, 58? No, I think he was like 48. Yes. Some, he was old. He was a grown-ass man. He was- being an adult. You're right. a grown man. Right. You're a grown man. Right. Okay, it doesn't matter. Like, my kids could come at me being all sorts of crazy. Anybody else's kids could come at me being all sorts of crazy. I'm not, right. I would not go, you know what? I should shoot him. Yeah. Right. And, like, when he, I don't think that these people understand the power of the gun, period. To, I mean, to, like, they say, you know, they're pro-gun, they understand how guns are, they understand how to be safe with guns. They don't understand to kill people. Like, I don't think that they, they always make that link between Well, well, they're not they're thinking like that. Guys, it doesn't affect you. They're not thinking yeah. like that. Yeah, people are going to think, you know, like, either they're thinking, if I shoot him, it's just a warning, which is crazy if you have this this gun training that they supposedly have, or they're thinking, if I shoot him and he dies, no one's going to care anyway, so I'm going to get off. It's not a big deal. It's just an altercation in a, what is that, a hotel parking lot. Yeah. But, I mean, after the fact, after the fact they're dead... And we got to read about how this dude was, was um, how the killer, how the murderer, how this person isn't in jail and how they're yeah, yeah. so, you know, they're, they're so attached to their son and they're, they're the, the football yeah. coach and, and they, he got, he rose all this money to be in the hotel. Like I heard, I mean, if you read that, it's, it talks about how he was displaced because of the fires. He got all this money to be kept able to go to his hotel with his young son. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, and, you know, then he shot some guy. You know, like, it's, it's, and, and also, 
my point of contention as a parent, you think your son didn't see that for real? You think your son, yeah, 20 years down the line? Yeah, okay, maybe. What did you just do? Right. This, the rest of this yeah. is going to change something. And BT Dub. bad precedent for your son. Yeah, exactly. And, and BT Dub, where's child welfare? You got a legal yeah. gun with your son that you fired in his proximity. I need the I need DHS to be all up over that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Black man? Is that my black man? Oh yes. Right. I can't tell you how many times yeah. I've been at a hotel because let's be honest, I'm not terribly refined and I don't have a ton of money. So I've stayed in some real crappy hotels mm-hmm. before when I'm traveling. People make noise. People are loud. People are inconsiderate. People are rude. But not once have I ever felt like I had the safety and security to even knock on their door and say anything, let alone whip out an illegal weapon yep. and shoot and show and assert my power over them. Yes. I mean... Because guess what? I have been raised my entire life with the requirement, like you were saying, that I have to stay calm when I'm in the most terrifying moment of my life. Yes. And on that vein, when we go to protest, there's okay. often times when our white allies, they see something crazy pop off, like somebody pulling a gun on us or somebody, you know, doing something crazy... And they'll start freaking out, but we're all like, okay, yeah. you know, this is happening. Yeah. We're here. We're gonna, mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna, gonna get work away. through it. We're gonna work through. We're not gonna freak out. We gotta have that composure because if we freak out, you know, if we freak out, <laughs> well, we're dark. You know, like in a sea of white faces, we're dark. You can right, <laughs> right, you right. Know? Also, and, my hair's real thin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's like they're gonna go. I'm gonna shoot you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And like, so we know we have to keep that composure to keep the safety of not only us but everybody around us. And we don't have that privilege to freak out at somebody, not only at the cops but at people pointing guns at us because we're going to be on the second page news. Yeah. They're going to talk about how wonderful this guy was that shot us, and this lady went and off on him. He went crazy. He was scared for his life. Right. And so he pulled his firearm. Yeah, it was illegal. Or he was drunk. And yeah, he was drunk. It's okay. You know, he was drunk and not thinking clearly. Yeah. And he's got mental illness. The sudden outburst yeah. or the loud noise yeah. or his he had son. PTSD. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Those are all oh, for real. Yes. Valid that- things. That's all real. That's not the point, though. (laughs) If he can have that reaction because of those issues, then why am I not allowed to have even a small reaction when my life is on the line? I mean, clearly, we know why, and that we need to say it. We, what that sentence says, we can't have that same reaction because of racism. Period. Like, we can't do it. And and, And I think that the allies in which are next to us and understanding that there's a very fine line between a white person that shows up at a, at a rally and an ally. So an ally would understand that they need to be between us and anybody of, of danger, right? It's not a question of like, oh, wait, wait, don't, don't get upset, Aisha, because they're going to want to shoot you. You're just playing into racism yourself, right? You're just playing into the fact that you want me to do something different so that I can live in the face of my fear. That's not that's not an ally. You don't understand yeah. and you don't get it. And you're in the way and you're causing problems, right? So yeah. it's really, really important that while, the like you said, in the moments that you guys are doing your thing, you guys are in real danger, you know? Mm-hmm. I often think about what I talk about here and if people recognize me. Some people have recognized me 
and been like, oh, I love your show. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's cool. And other people, like, I wonder if they recognize me and be like, that B. You know what I mean? And I don't know. But the truth of it is, is that I can't walk through the world wondering. But when it does show up to me, like, at that point, I can't have white folks around me that don't know what the hell's going on. Like, they don't know how to act. <laughs> right? They don't know what to do. That's not an ally. And I and sometimes I, I want to, stre- to, to uh, emphasize that this is not something that is like fanatic. It's not a, a fanatic type thing. We don't need fans. We don't. We need people yep. to understand. Yes. Like, and I'm talking about in the yes. long picture, not just me, you, and you, and Black Joy yes. and Black Girl from Eugene. Not all that. I'm just talking about in general. Like, this is a life yes. long. Just like that boy, that man shot that uh, this the, uh, shot Aiden uh, in front of his three year old son. Just like that. That that was generational hate, generational trauma. You know, who knows what that has done to that little boy? All of those things. This this idea that the conversations that we're having are the same conversations I'm having with my kids. This is generational. So the work is also generational. You see what I'm saying? So it's like we gotta we gotta understand that what we're doing now is not for us now, right? It's it's for us now but we're also making a generational statement here so why so the folks who are next to us doing it need to understand that this doesn't end when 2020 is over and we get back to some sort of normalcy there is no more normalcy if it if it was if it was about two years ago no it's not okay we're done yeah we're done and then to continue on that that allyship vein people use allyship against us all the time. They're like, well, I'm your ally. It's okay if I say this and that. Yeah. Or I'm your ally. I'm trying to try to push for you. And I often have no. to get into that argument that, no, no, no. You don't get to tell me you're my ally. No. Nope. I tell you. No. Nope. You don't get to tell me you're my friend. You don't get to tell me that you're out there pushing for my, my you know, my rights. That's some white savior crap. We don't right. do that around here. Right. I'm telling you you're not doing what I need you to do and you're not being an ally. Right. And and, you know, true allies, like you said, they have our backs no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, we go down, they're going down with us. They right. will be there, you know, first thing. As soon as something pops off, they will be there. And they're there when you're tired. Yes. We are tired. Right. Yes. This is exhaustion on a level I never fathomed. And yeah. And that is also part of what deters a lot, a lot people of color from being involved in being active in their community because there are moments don't get me wrong where i am so grateful that this year happened and how who it's made me Mm -hmm. and like finding my voice finding my family finding like a newfound love and a new angle of my community but it is devastating watching people who have known me from birth hate me right right after years of saying no i love you but yeah i I love love you but I don't want to hear about all of your black joys. Wait, is that all you post on your Facebook? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because that is all I can think about from when I wake up to when I go to bed. Yeah. Right. And that's all you've thought yeah. about your whole life. My it's whole life. never said yeah. anything. I just didn't say anything yeah. before. Yeah. It's not a new feeling for me. It's a new experience for you hearing it. Yes. Right. Yes. My right. feeling has never changed. That's, a, that's another level of betrayal. That, like, girl, look, we're going to have to start a whole nother podcast and do that on a different, like, we can talk about that for three more hours, right? It's a whole nother level of betrayal. And um, I have some episodes with some folks who are mixed race who talk about that, being in the struggle and being biracial, having white family members 
you know, that you have to contend with. And it's like complicated, like you're saying. It's like you love these people. They love you. And it's like you're hurting me at the core of who I am. And so it's it's some of that, um, it's, a, it's a level of betrayal. It's a level of trauma that, you know, when, you're, when you see people who are out here doing the work like y'all are doing the work, out here doing the work like I'm doing the work, like Akai is doing the work, like Unity is doing the work, like, uh, you know, NAACP is doing the work. This is what we do, you know, during the day, right? We do this. We, it's not an eight to five thing. We're doing this every time we walk into a grocery store. We're doing this every time we walk into the, the post office. We're doing this every single time we show up at any event that is not black centered and black led. Okay. So, and the truth of it is, is that even when it's black centered and black led, we're still looking at who, where, who's around, and are we okay? And until we understand, yes. we are okay. The hypervigilance. Yes. That is very common in black women, you know, black people. Period. But especially black women. Yes. We're always worried about everyone's children too. Right. We're always like, is that poor? Is that black man going to be attacked? And we got to, you know, step up and right. have his back. You know, is that child being, you know, taken care of? Is that white man looking after that black child wrong? Right. You know, I am constantly, like, trying to keep an eye on everybody at all times, especially at, at our, our events. Girl. We're in the same boat. We're just like... Said, look, girl, said every black woman everywhere, okay? Right? I mean, there's so many videos out there where everybody's just like, Amanda, where are you? It's like, we use a body system? Yes, at all times. We can't go in the freaking bathroom alone. Yeah. I go out in public with my children rather than go alone. Yes. Yeah. Because my children, and I'm going to just say this right now. I was so grateful my children passed as white. Oh, yeah. It is the biggest point of guilt for me. Yeah. But I don't know if I could survive watching my children be treated the way that I grew up being treated and the way I see my friends and family treated. And I know that friends have kids that don't pass, and that's why I feel guilty because I know their children don't have that luxury. Mm -hmm. But I am going to be brutally honest right now and say that I was so grateful that my children aren't going to have to feel that. That they get to learn about racism instead of experiencing it. Right, right. That they that, get to, yeah. That, that's well, heavy. My children even more mixed than I am because they've also, they, their father was half Mexican. And so they, especially Trump, especially I have a special feeling for him um, because when he came into office, their teacher, their their school is um, 48% Hispanic. Mm. Um, and their teacher had to straight up give them a speech in their class telling them that she won't let people take them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that is... I'm going to start crying. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that is... That's insane. I like mean... They were in second grade. That, that, like, that... You should not... That is... That is America. i to your school and take you. Yeah. That's you America. Like, that's... That's America. That's where we are. You look at Aiden, right? You shouldn't have to worry if your 19-year-old son, right? Okay, of course, everybody worries their son or their kid is going to say something stupid, right? Just because they're young and dumb, not because of the color of their skin. But imagine being the parent of a child and your kid. I don't know why Aiden was in that hotel. I'm not going to lie. That part of the story I've not heard. Um, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, He was playing his music too loud. Okay, 
who has not done that? Yeah, I do that now. <laughs> but you shouldn't have to like tell your son, hey, keep you know, like you have to be yes. perfect every yes. single second. Mm-hmm. To, like wear a hoodie. Yeah, don't wear. Don't, a hoodie. Wear don't bright go colors. Anywhere without a shirt on. Yeah. Wear bright colors. Always smile. Say yes, sir. Yes, yes ma'am. Sir, speak yes, respectfully. Ma'am. Don't play your music yeah. too loud. There's like a list that we always. You know, we, we tell each other all the time, you know, we have to pass on to our children. And then something I've noticed that black folk and brown folk do that is a little bit different than than white folk culturally is when we leave people, we say, stay safe. Mm-hmm. You know, be careful out there. Stay safe. And that's our goodbye. Right. Because we don't know if we're going to see No, there's no, no guarantee. There's no guarantee. And there's no guarantee even if we, if we remove death from it that we're not going to be assaulted we're not going to physically mentally emotionally Mm -hmm. you know the the world is harsh well the thing is is that that the truth of it is is that we are not assimilate we are not taking in the idea that we are being assaulted on a constant basis yep. and mm-hmm. the, and yep. we do that because of resilience and that's we do that because of our ancestral it, though, connection to yep. the power of resiliency and it's it's something that i always want to bring up because we we need to remember ourselves that this level of onslaught is not new to who we are as a people Yet we are the most ingenuous like people on the planet. And so that we if we don't again I have to go back, if we don't have these conversations with each other to understand that we are not alone in this in in this global fight against racism. That we that recognizably you know, if it doesn't feel right to you here, it's probably because it's like that kind of thing. Like when you feel like you're depressed, what they always tell you, if you feel like you're anxious or depressed, before you go to the doctor, make sure you're not surrounded by assholes, right? Like you got to make sure that it's not, it's really not all on you, right? And the fact that the fact of the matter is that you and Salem, me and Eugene, family across the world, you know, understand that wherever you go, Right, you gotta believe in you, not to fight against white folks, but in the beauty and blackness. Right, like it's like wherever you go, there you are. You know, you don't need nobody's permission. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were just talking about that in that we both had a similar incident, and I I ended up speaking to a different person. She ended up speaking to a different person because both of us thought we were just being maybe maybe hyper. I thought it was in my head. You know, maybe maybe we just viewed it, you know, we were emotional that day, I don't know. Maybe it was us. Yeah. What and could I have done differently? What could we have done differently? Um, and and it's like beyond that, this is this is in our work, work that's supposed to be for us. And we're still feeling like maybe we spoke up too wrong right. to, you know, a white person. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, maybe that white person snapped at us because we said this or that. And, you know, it just, we should have said something differently. This is for us, too. And so, and we're still not able to make that jump to, no, they just aren't digesting it. It's it's a process. It's a process of knowledge. It's a process. So, um, we have been on for an hour and a half. I told y'all this goes by so fast. It goes by so fast, I swear. Um, so I want to invite you both back. I, I In this conversation, there's been about 55 things I want to talk more about. 
I'm like, we need to talk more about that. We need to, I mean, these are like episodes on episodes on episodes. Last night was like, yeah, the three of us go, oh yeah, go, 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 it's because we need it. the truth of it is it's just evidence of the need of connection right it's just evidence yes. that we're out here and we need it yes yes yeah. and i've told people many times that we talk different to each other than we do when we oh, yeah. walk around yeah and so so you know there's a lot of groups out there that want to go oh we want to be let into that experience and it's yeah. like but do you yeah. 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 It's, and, and, it, and if you have to ask, then it's not for you. But so the truth of it is, um, so I want to really, really thank both of you, Jewel and Claire. You guys have been amazing. I hope that everyone really enjoyed this uh, hour and a half of us talking and just getting to know. Um, I hope that my space black girl from Eugene was was something that you guys could feel safe in and that you enjoyed it. Definitely. Thank you so much. And this is absolutely. Well, hit up black Joy. What'd you say? Black Joy. Hit up Black Joy too, because we're trying to make some moves. Yeah. Give them your information. What? Give them where they can find you. Everywhere. So, so <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you just look up Black Joy Oregon or. Um, the Black Joy Tour, yeah. either one, Black Joy hashtag, pull it up, um, especially on Facebook, it's really easy to find. Um, my name is also Claire Snyder, um, I'm happy to share my last name, I'm, I'm, I'm Jewel Larson, yeah. so you can <laughs> find us it. on Facebook and get connected that way. Um, I don't usually accept immediate friend requests, if you message me and tell me that you're interested, it's kind of the same, but with Black Joy, if you find our public page, Find me, follow it to the public page. Um, yeah, Black Joy Oregon, right there. Cindy, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you have Black gear. Joy here on Redbubble. Thank you, Crystal. <laughs> She's doing our job for us. We're really bad at PR. But yeah, me, so. girl, look, me too. I'd I be mean, like, I got merchandise. I can show it to you later. Like it's terrible. I, I got, I gotta get it. I gotta get it together. I got. Without the Cupid Shuffle, I don't. I think that's a rule. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't realize how important and integral that was. It's it's it very important. Became a part of Black Joy. Like that's actually like for real. That's a thing. Yeah. That's like no, don't. no that's I a for real know. thing. Like, <laughs> I kind of like the song. All right, and then I was like, oh no, yeah. Oh yeah. This is great. No, if you don't understand what it's for, it's because you don't understand. That's all. It's like. That's all. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so happy that we met. I'm so happy that we're here. And I want to thank you guys again. Please look up. You, too. you guys thank send you. me your send me your links on uh, Messenger so I can put it on the show notes. And that way, when I do the podcast, yes. it'll be on the show notes for your information as well. Yay! I'm so happy, y'all. Um, generally, I. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, generally what I do is I go back over the comments, but y'all, we've been having like for real comments. I'm not sure I if I can I like. I see them popping up. Yeah. Well. I'm, like, I'm like, no, 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 not yet. Don't yeah. discuss that yet. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. 
so much stuff has been popping up, y'all. I'm like extremely impressed with the conversation going on amongst our conversation that they're talking. The group, all y'all listeners and viewers right now talking to each other. I encourage it. I love it. Um, I want to go back over it, um, and please, you two as well, go back over and answer people's yeah. messages and, and just say what you got to say because, girl, we're going to be here a whole other hour trying to go over all these comments. Yeah. So, <laughs> so please go back in and go ahead. For creating this platform, for creating this safe space, for encouraging women of color and just general leaders of color, like, it's needed. Thank you. It's we needed. need it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Biracial too. This is amazing. As soon as you looked us right in the eye and were like black, you know, like honey, you know, it's okay. I started crying. I was like, oh my gosh, it is okay. It is okay. Honey, Claire. Thank you so much. I mean, because this is a dear to my heart. Like it's dear to my heart. And thank you so much for recognizing the work because it came from a place of healing. And now I was like, I, I'm not the only one that needs this healing, right? And me having a, a very intimate understanding and friendships and, and family members who are biracial, it's like, and, and when you're black in the Pacific Northwest, it's an element that people don't understand. And so it's important to talk about it in real truth, in real time, in real honesty, you know, because... It feels uncomfortable for everyone, but the truth of it is, it's like, it's it's more uncomfortable to live it without speaking it out loud. So let's speak it out loud together. I love you guys. I'm here for you. I'm in your corner, um, and we will do this. Bars on your way. On what do you say? You. I said you're going to have pecan bars on their way to you. Yes! Oh. Yes! <laughs> and like I told you, as soon as I can get my t-shirt together i do have some so if you know i have larges like i have some extra larges right not extra larges i have extras that are large and so there's a couple different t-shirts i should have brought them but again i'm bad at the pr so i (laughs) i will definitely show you guys some because i would love to send you one i mean i have a couple extras before i do all the selling but i would just send you a couple okay okay all right have a wonderful rest of your week we're going into december y'all okay Bye. Bye.